Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We talked about that. You enter in. When you begin to pray, you don't start complaining. You start by praising. Lord, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are our healer. You are our blesser. I give you praise. Why? Why do we do that? Because faith, positive faith or negative faith comes by, and it literally means hearing what you say. Now, now, You ought to take a note. You ought to write this down. You ought to make it a habit. Don't start your day off complaining. Start your day off praising because you enter in to everything he is through praise and thanksgiving. So instead of starting off and saying, Lord, uh, uh, I'm losing my job and I don't think we'll pay our bills and all that, and you start off by saying, Lord, I thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I thank you. And so you're building yourself up in faith and you enter into it by praise and thanksgiving. Amen? When you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, you go directly before the throne of God who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I praise your name. Your name is above every name. Thy kingdom come. It's a, it's a sign of authority. Devil, I bind you. The devil's coming against you. Don't, Jesus, do something. You do something. Devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Whatever you bind on earth is then bound in heaven. Whatever you loosen on earth is loosed in heaven. Now, you got to understand, if I said, I want you to learn how to pray like I pray, you could take it or leave it. But if Jesus is saying, here's how you pray, in Dallas, we call that a clue. Jesus is our example. When you praise our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's the next part? Give us this day our daily bread. Now say this, if, you know, um, when I first get up in the morning, I pray this way. Of course, it's, it's extended. When I lay down at night, I pray this way. And I say, Lord, you know, if it's 1130 and I'm going to bed, I say, uh, just to reemphasize, give me this day my daily bread. If it's 1230, I want to make sure I don't miss it for tomorrow. Give me this day my daily bread. Every day, God has supernatural provision for your life. You have not because you ask not. So every day, God says, all right, I got something for you. Now, you may get it that day. It may be released, and you get it uh, a week from now or six months from now. There may be somebody you're supposed to meet that's going to do business with you, and it's going to prosper you in a year. But every day... Give us, say it out loud, give us this day our daily bread. How many want to have more tomorrow than you have today? Okay, so, but you have not because you ask not. So every day, say every day, every day you say, God, give me this day my daily bread. 
Now, in understanding this, and I'm just reiterating what I already taught you, you have to understand that it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, think about the kingdom of God. When I think about the kingdom of God, I think of streets paved with gold. I think of giant gates made out of pearls. Our father, my father, your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it. And it's his good pleasure. How, how, many, how many grandparents do we have here? How many love spoiling your grandkids? How many love giving them things that they don't necessarily need? See, when we think about this, and this is the way I was taught when I first got saved, God doesn't care about this world. He doesn't care about what kind of car you drive. He doesn't care about what kind of house you live in. He doesn't, that's worldly. And if you think about those things, then you're being worldly also, and you're not heavenly minded enough. No, our dad owns it all. He owns it all. And it's my dad, no, I don't know about your dad, but it's my dad's good pleasure to give it to me. Do you, do you understand that? Do you receive that? Money is not bad. Money's good. See, when I say that, you can feel it, can't you? Especially over here. There's supposed to be a lot of Presbyterian over in this area here. Money is not bad. You know, and I say this, and I say it all the time, and I say it to make emphasis. If money was bad, Satan would be passing it out in the parking lot as you came in. Money is a good thing. Money is an amplifier. If you're a bad person, money amplifies bad things. If you're a good person, money amplifies good things. But you've got to understand that money is not bad. Now, I will say this, that the prosperity message for a lot of years became a gimmick. And, and that's why when you talk about prosperity, it's kind of like, and, and it, it became a gimmick. You know, if you, you know, I, I do, I do, uh, if I do a share for a Christian television station, you know, they don't ask me anymore, but they used to say, what's God telling you? And I said, what do you mean what God's telling me? They said, well, what's the number God's given you? I said, I don't do that. They said, well, how do you get them to give? I just teach what God's word says. I don't, I don't pull up and say, if you give $127 uh, for 127 months, for 127 years, you get 127 blessings. That's a gimmick. But when you talk about a tithe and you talk about an offering and you talk about widows and orphans, you talk about uh, first fruits, those aren't a gimmick. And so I just teach that in every station. Now, I did a, I did a wonderful station. Uh, it's a wonderful Christian station up in uh, Pittsburgh. John, is that where? Pittsburgh. And uh, they, they always give 10% of what comes in to, to our ministry for Israel. And so I was talking to them, and, I, and we went to a break, went to a song. And I said, how much do you normally bring in in a night? And they told me, and I said, guys, you're thinking way too small. We're talking about blessing Israel. You're thinking way too small. And they let me know it, it, they got more that night than they have in the last eight years 
of giving. No gimmicks, no false promises, just teaching the Word of God. Because money is a good thing. You can do good things with it. Amen? When God, and I, I think I shared this uh, a few weeks ago, when, when God created the earth, he said, here's, uh, here's the animals, here's the streams, here's the mountains, here's the birds, here's the cattle. And he said, go up the river Pishon, which surrounds Eden, and up that river, there is the gold. And it says, and the gold is good. The gold is, I need a better amen than that. The gold is, if, if, if all we had, and this is what I was taught, God just wants you to get by. Our God is not El get by. Our God is El Shaddai, Almighty God. Last year, you and our partners gave just Israel, not our orphanages, not our feeding programs for kids around the world, just for Israel gave over $2 million. If all we had was enough to turn the lights on, we couldn't do what God's called us to do in helping repair a broken world. So you've got to understand, here's the key to it all. Money is a good thing. You know what amen means? Amen means so be it. Money is a good thing. And the Bible says in the last days, the wealth of the wicked is going to be put into the hands of the righteous. Can I have an amen? All right, so let's continue on with the understanding of prosperity and these end times. You know, one of Tiz's, we're, we're, trying, we're trying to figure it out on the way in. One of Tiz's favorite teachings is, is and, and this will really tie into next week, is let's say you lost something. Let's say you lost a business or let's say you made a bad investment or let's say somebody ripped you off. God says that money's not gone. That money is in God's vault. It's in his storehouse. And in these last days, now listen to me prophetically. In these last days, God is going to take that money out of his vault and he's going to put it into the hands of of those who are righteous. Now, let me sidetrack. I was just going to read the scripture. Let me sidetrack. The other day, um, Pastor Wannerson and Scott and I uh, went out playing golf. And we're coming on to the first tee. And when we get on the first tee, Wannerson's phone rings. And I can see him. And he's, he's, he's uh, you know, bothered by something. And he goes, Pastor, you won't believe it. His son, Gabe, who's a tremendously talented young man, uh, took some art and and uh, put it in a, a statewide event. It has to do with him getting a scholarship to college and everything. He said the state just called my son and said, you plagiarized this painting. This isn't really yours. And so you're throwing out. We're blackballing you and throwing you out. And Wanderson was upset. Gabe was upset. And I looked at him and I said, L let me tell you something. I said, this is just a lie from the devil. Now, I would have said it's a lie to upset you so you don't hit the ball well, but Wanderson never hits the ball well. So, so we knew that wasn't it. And I said, you watch, this thing's going to turn around. This thing's going to turn around. And so we golf, and a few holes later, he gets, now this is the state saying you're disqualified. 
A few holes later, he gets a phone call, and he said, Pastor, you won't believe this. They just reversed that and said we were wrong. Now, this is all the way down in Austin up here, and immediately God gave me a prophetic word. Am I right, Wanderson? Am I right? Number one, you can't hit the ball, and number two, am I right? He's, he's getting better. He's, get, he's getting better. And, I, and immediately God gave me a word for all of us. I said, we're in a season of not only miracles, but we're in a season of quick miracles. We're in a season of quick miracles. Do you receive that? Now, I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, I mean, it was right there. And I said, I'm not just saying this be, uh, to say it. I said, God just spoke to me, and I'm going to give this word to the church on Sunday. We're in a season right now of not just miracles, of quick miracles. Somebody shout quick. Well, when, when I was at home uh, yesterday or, day, or, or Friday, whatever it was, and I was sitting at my desk and I was just studying and reading some things, and it dawned on me where we are today on God's calendar. Now, I, all of you know, and forgive me, this is why I said I told the guys in the back, I said, I'm going to have to teach this in two weeks because I'm never going to get to this end-time transfer. We know that the Bible and the seasons of the Bible go by a moon calendar, right? Where our calendar, the world's calendar, goes by the sun. And that's why we have what's called leap years. If you look at our calendar this year, um, we know that, that Easter, Resurrection Sunday, and Passover was the same day. This year, it's a month apart. They're, they're a month off. Why is that? Because right now, we're in, on a biblical calendar right now, we're in a leap year. Now, what does that mean? Next month, now listen to me, receive this. All of you watching, receive this. Next month is Purim. Purim is the time when things looked impossible, and we'll teach on that, but God came in and flipped the story upside down. Remember the story of Mordecai and Esther and the Jewish people? That's next month. But because we're in a leap year, a biblical leap year, we have, and, and Purim is all, always, always the month of Adar, which is the, the end of a year and the, be, the, the time of a new beginning. The month of Adar is the month of great joy. The month of Adar is the time of great miracles. The time of Adar is when God defeats your enemy, where you were the tail and now you become the head, where you were the borrower and now you become the loner. That's the month of Adar. But because biblically, right now, today, we are in a leap year, this is a time where there's not one month of Adar, but there are two months of Adar. Now, now I, 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 listen to what I'm saying, because I'm, I'm writing this down last night, and I said, oh, my gosh, that's why God answered Wanderson and Gabe's miracle, but he didn't just do it a miracle and turn the whole thing upside down. He did it quickly. And what ancient Jewish wisdom says, when you enter into the month of Adar, which is next month, it's a time of great joy and miracles and blessing. 
But when you enter into a double Adar, even if anything negative comes up in your life for the whole next year, the goodness of God, the blessing of God, the prosperity of God will swallow up that negativity and you'll not see it affected in your life. Somebody say amen. Also, this is a time during the time of Adar, but especially during the time of double Adar, which only happens every so many years in a 19-year circle, when you have double Adar, this is a great time to do business. This is a great time to call on God because he wants to, during this time, make your life an example of his favor in giving you prosperity beyond anything you can imagine. Now watch this. The, 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 there's a Hebrew word, and it means during this time of Adar, you are pregnant with God's blessing. You're pregnant. Is anybody here pregnant? You're pregnant. So when, when you say you're pregnant, it means with a child you are, ex, you're, say it out loud. You, say it. You're expecting. So what God is saying to us right now when I teach this is you need to be You need to be expecting. You need to be expecting because right now, and that's why that's why I'm a teacher to tell you this. That's why God gives us these times and these seasons to let you know. You know what? You need to be expecting for God to bring blessings into your life this year. I don't believe it's a coincidence that we're in an election year. I don't believe it's a coincidence where we're at. But no matter what's going on in that world, we are not. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. And every one of us here and everyone watching around the world, we are expecting. I'm expecting financial breakthrough. I'm expecting prosperity. I'm expecting healing. I'm expecting miracles. And no matter what negativity comes up, and I love the way my mama said, The blessing of God, the expectancy of God will swallow that negativity away and we become more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, and I'm not ashamed to say this. I'm not ashamed to say this. This includes prosperity. This includes prosperity. All right, do you have your Bibles? See, I knew I wouldn't get through this. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Is money good or bad? Does God want money in your hands? When he says, up the river Pishon is where the money is, the gold is, and the gold is good. Ancient Jewish wisdom says, when you're serving God, and remember, after this this. Meaning now we're going to take a break and then come back and I'm going to talk about leadership. The more you're used in leadership, I don't want to ruin it, the more you'll prosper. Because in these last days, God wants to use your life and my life as an example to the world of not being lukewarm, but sir, what, okay, all right. Deuteronomy chapter 8, for the sake of time, where do I want to start here? 
Um, let's go. Let's start with verse six. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and to fear Him. That word fear. That word fear is not being afraid. It, it's a word of, of wow. When you when you serve God, when you keep His commandments, you can look at your life and you'll go, wow, because of God's goodness and God's favor and God's blessing in your life. Amen. Therefore, you should keep the, uh, the commandments of the Lord, your God, to walk in his ways and be wowed by him. For the Lord your God is, everybody say is. is. It's not that he might. It's not that it could be. It's not that we hope it will be. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains, of springs that flow out of the valleys and the hills. Now, to, to emphasize that, they're in the desert. 40 years in the desert where they had to have water come out of a rock. And now God is saying, God is bringing you into a good land. Springs and rivers and fountains. Look at verse 8. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees, of pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack. What's the next word? Nothing. nothing. You will lack nothing. Look at me a second. I believe in all my heart we are closer to the rapture than we can imagine. And God is looking through the body of Christ. Most of the body of Christ is lukewarm. They are. I was getting ready today, and I heard Dr. Jeremiah. I love Dr. Jeremiah's teachings, and, he, and I heard him, and he said, you know what? The reason why our culture is so bad is because of the church is so weak. You got to make announcements six weeks in a row before 70% of your church hears it. People aren't coming to church. People aren't serving. People aren't helping. People aren't doing things. We've become a lukewarm generation. Now, not you. You are on fire. I feel the fire. But it says God is wanting, God is looking, going through the body of Christ, looking for people that he can use as an example of his blessing. He's looking for people. You know, I, I look at, I, I got to tell you, I look at my life and I'm from the hood. When I first got saved, when I first gave my life to the Lord, I had seven federal warrants out for my arrest. My mother wouldn't tell anybody where I was living for years and years because of the statute of limitations. I'd done drugs for so many years, such strong amount of drugs that I have two college, or I lack eight hours for my second college degree, but they put me in the 15 and under Sunday school class because I couldn't talk. I'd done drugs for so long. And yet, as I served the Lord and came to church and paid my tithes and witnessed and won people to the Lord and never said when God asked his and I to do something, we never said, no, Lord, I'm too busy. I, I was talking in the back, and how many of my friends are retiring or have retired? How can you retire from changing them? How can you say, I'm too busy? I'm too busy hunting. I'm too busy fishing. I'm too busy uh, 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 doing this. I'm too busy doing that to serve the Lord. 
So in these last days when a lot of the, I, I really believe if, if the rapture came right now, most of the church wouldn't make it. I really believe that. Because the rapture is the judgment of God on the church, not on the world. He's going, he said, are, are, are you on fire? Are you serving me like you did when you're young? And, and I, you know, I feel like the most exciting times is before us. And so the more we say, yes, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't handle jet lag as good as I used to. I'm now over 38. But I'm on the go. I'm, a, I'm on the go because we got a world to win. And so God is looking as I'm willing to serve him. He's looking and you're willing to serve him and you're willing to help. He's looking for people that he can say to the world, Look at how they serve me. Let's lift them up in their finances, in their giftings of the Spirit, in their things. Let's lift them up because we're living in the most exciting times. And God says, you will lack nothing. Let me get through this. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, when you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Now watch this. He's talking about nothing but good stuff. He's talking about abundance, pressed down, shaking together, overflowing. But look what he says in verse 11. Beware. Watch out. Open your eyes. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you to this day lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and you dwell in them, when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold multiplies and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which there were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flint. Now, let, let, me, let me just, as I'm reading this, God's speaking to my spirit. And he's saying, Larry, it was not a big deal when there were seven federal warrants out for your arrest that you trusted me. Wasn't a big deal when you were a drug addict, you knew you needed me. Wasn't a big deal when you and Tiz had one box of potato flakes left and you boiled that and scraped the bull weevils off and ate those potato flakes that you needed me. But it's when you live in a nice house it's when the federal warrants for your arrest are gone. It's when you've got more than enough. It's when the miracles have taken place. That's the dangerous time that you forget. It's me who got you out of drug addiction. It's me who got you delivered of anger. It's me. And he said, that's the danger. It's not when, you know, you know this probably doesn't relate to any of you here. But it's when they close that jail cell door and you go, oh, Lord. 
Lord, I'll serve you the rest of my life. That's not the danger. The danger isn't when they say, you know what, the cancer is, is eating your body away. You, you, you're not going to make it. And we say, oh, God, you, you, you help us. The danger is when the cell doors open. The danger is when there's money to pay the bills. The danger is when the cancer's gone. The danger is when you finally, your business is taken off and you're prospering. The danger is when things are going well, you forget who did it. And I got to say, that's America. I mean, it's, it's other places in the world, but it's America. We need to remember that we're one nation under God, and that's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if we don't remember that, we're in trouble. This, this is the warning. Let's let, let jump down to 16. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna when your fathers did not know that he humbled you and that uh, might test you and that to do good in the end. And then you say in your heart, now here, here's, the, here, here, here's, the, here's the number one danger of success. And then you say in your heart, my power and my might of my hands have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Look at what it says. He says, here's the danger. When the electricity's back on and the car payments are made, and the house is taken care of. And you able to go on vacation, ladies, without a porta potty in a tent. <laughs> that you forget I'm the one who removed the porta potty and put you in the resort in Maui. Oh, come on, I'm prophesying for you, ladies. When you're wearing gold jewelry, ladies, and it's not turning your neck green anymore. Because it's the real gold. Oh, come on. I'm saying something here. Don't forget. It's me who gives you the power in your hands to gain wealth. So number one is that you need to remember that these things are good. And when you're being blessed, don't be too tired to come to church. You've heard me tell the story before, and it's a true story of a guy who came into a church. He was homeless, came into a church, and got saved, and, and, and the church gave him a job as being uh, one of the janitors, and he worked as a janitor, and he ended up being the head of the janitor, and he ended up going out and starting his own janitorial business, and the thing went nationwide. And all of a sudden, he's not in church anymore. When he had nothing, he was in church. But now that he's got millions of dollars, he's too busy to be in church. And he comes to his pastor, this is a true story. He comes to his pastor and he said, Pastor, you know, when I first got saved, you know, I was working here and I made a vow to God, I'd pay my tithes and put offerings in, etc." He goes, but pastor, now I make millions of dollars. And he said, I'm going to be honest with you, I can't afford to tithe. True story. And he said, would you pray with me 
that God would release me of my pledge to tithe on what I make. And the pastor said, I can't do that because it's in the Bible. But I can pray that you go back to where you can afford to tithe. (laughs) Now, we look at that and we laugh. But the reality of it is, is this is an incredible warning is that when God is blessing you and you don't need the miracle anymore, you're living in the blessing, you don't stay home from church. You don't forsake the Lord's day like some do. You know, there's times we're all tired. There's times we've been working all week. There's times, you know, I I, I told the guys I've been looking for an app from my phone on that I can put today's Saturday it's the Sabbath I'll call you when the Sabbath is over my phone doesn't stop it's just like ah! <laughs> there are times in Sunday morning I go oh, I could sleep in but you know what how can you ever retire from serving the Lord But in these last days, God is going through the church and he's looking for people to use as an example. Let me close with this. So that's the one thing. The one thing is, is, and I've seen it happen. I've seen people come into our churches, tis and I have seen them. They come in homeless. They come in sleeping in their car. They get saved. They learn. They, they go into business. They do it. And, they're, and next thing you know, you don't see them anymore because they don't need God to do them miracles anymore. But I've seen almost every one of them lose what they had because they forget it's the Lord who did it for them, right? It's so simple. But the other part that I want to leave you with, and we close with this, is God says, I give you power in your hands to gain wealth. Put your Bible down. Put your Bible on your lap. Put your pen down. Lift your hands up. Lift your hands up. Say this with me. Say this after me. Say, Father, I receive that I have from you power in my hands to gain wealth. I receive, I have power, anointing in my hands to gain wealth. Now look at me. I've told you this story before, but I'm going to close with this. Years and years ago, a friend of mine invented the Bowflex machine. You ever see that? Well, he didn't invent it. A friend of his invented it. He marketed it. And he was in my church. And he called me and he said, uh, listen, we're going to take this thing public. I think it's going to go. Nobody ever heard of the Bowflex. Nobody heard it. And so he said, uh, you ought to invest in it. So we bought, Tiz and I borrowed some dollars. We had no money back then. And we borrowed some money, and, and which you don't do to invest in stock. Don't, that's not what you do. And uh, we bought it. I think it was like 30 cents a share or something like that. Long story short, in about a year and a half, Tiz and I made about $13 million. Good night, everybody. Thank you for coming. And so I thought, you know what? I'm tired of counseling people. I'm tired of having to come up with a message early. So I decide I'm going to leave the ministry. Well, a friend, God spoke to me and he said, listen, you're anointed to be a priest. A priest brings the vision. Kings bring the provision. Now, every one of us is a king and every one of us is a priest. But my job was not to leave the priesthood and become a king. 
You, you, your job is to become wealthy. I, I hate to tell you, I'm, I'm sorry, but your job is to become wealthy so you can, you can finance the vision. And, but I was gonna step out of my measure of faith. And long story short, I'm, God told me, he said, this is not what you're doing. You're, you're, you're to preach the word of God. You're not, you're not called to go leave the ministry, go in the business. Your job is to be in the ministry. But you know what? I got $13 million. I don't need to listen to God anymore. Bless God. And so he said, I want you to get this guy to handle your money. And so we got him. And he said, man, nothing's working in the stock market except Bowflex is taking off. And I went over to, Tiz and I went to Israel and came back and we were in Venice because I was writing a book on the seven curses that block the blessing. And one of the number one curses in the church is racism. How can you be a racist and be a child of God? You know, and so I, I went to Venice. The reason I went to Venice is because Venice is the first place that they ever had the word ghetto. It's where they locked the Jews in the ghetto. And so I went there to get information on writing the book to break the curse of racism. Whether we're white or black or brown or male or female or, or, or short or tall, every one of us is made exactly the way God wants us in his image. Amen? And so I was over there, and my guy calls me. Happened to be a Jewish guy from what he said. I Listen, I think we need to sell Bowflex. Oh, don't worry about it. Bless God. And I'm, I'm, I'm already planning. I'm leaving the ministry. I'm going to announce I got $13 million. By the time I got on the plane and, and, and into Paris, and into, uh, I lost $13 million. And I said, okay, Lord. Uh, I realize it's you who gives me. So we lost it. We lost almost all of it. We lost it overnight. And I realize that how tempting it is when you don't need that miracle to survive that we forget it's God who gives us the power in our hands to gain wealth. And so, Lord, if you would like to give me that 13 million back, I promise I'll give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. But you know something? I, I don't know how God would do that or what God's plan is, but next week I'm going to show you something in the Bible that's going to blow your mind that everything the devil stole, I know we all know that he, he has to pay it back, but I'm going to show you something, and you need to get ready to get excited because we're living in the days that God not only is going to open up the windows of heaven, but everything that you've ever lost or your family has lost or your grandparents have lost, it's coming back into your hands in this end time. Do you receive it? Stand with me all over the building. The first key is give me this day my daily bread. The second key is money is not bad, money's good. How many, how many accept that money is good? There's no lack of money in the world. There's no lack of money in the world. Don't listen to those preachers that tell you, oh, that uh, Jesus was poor. Jesus wasn't poor. His disciples weren't poor. His church is not poor. There's no lack of money. It just needs to get into the hands of the righteous. You're pregnant. You are pregnant right now. You are expecting right now the miracles of God. Do you receive that? Now, I want you to close your eyes and bow your head real quick. And I want you to say this out loud. All of us say it together. Say, Father, I come to you right now 
in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this with authority. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my body. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my home, my family, my finances, my future. I declare that every blessing paid in full is mine, not someday, but today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you receive that, give the Lord a clap offering. Now, next week, I want to lay hands on you, and, and I don't want to do it right now because we're, I went a little bit long, and, and uh, we have the leadership in 15 minutes. But if you're, if you're open to receive the anointing of prosperity, I give you power in your hands to gain wealth. Let me ask you a question, and I heard this by a, a great preacher years and years and years and years ago, because as a Christian, I was taught prosperity is bad, that if you really want God to use you, you gotta be poor. That's what we were taught. That's not right. If you really want God to use you, spiritual blessing and financial blessing are synonymous. They go hand, they go, they go hand in hand. And so I heard a preacher years ago say, then let me ask you this. How many of you have ever prayed for somebody, laid hands on them, and they got healed? Raise your hand, raise your hand. You, you ever prayed for somebody and they got healed? Or you ever prayed for somebody and something happened, right? Well, you know what? A sinner can go out and make money, but a sinner can't lay hands on the sick and see them recover. So the thing of laying hands on someone and seeing them healed is a much greater miracle than laying your hands and seeing it prosper. You're anointed to lay hands on the sick, right? You're anointed by God for your hands to prosper. And here's what this man told me. He said, if I stood right here and jumped from here past those cameras, what would you know? Well, one thing for sure, white men can jump. I've been waiting for weeks to say that. But you would know, if I could stand here and jump past those cameras, you see me do it. And then if I said, well, I'm gonna jump from here down to the floor, you wouldn't have any doubt because you already saw me do the greater. You've already done the greater. You've laid hands on the sick. You've seen him recover. You've bound the devil. Now the lesser is that God has put in your hands to gain wealth. Lift your hands up right now. Say this out loud. I receive the anointing of God to gain wealth. And I give God all the praise and all the glory. And I will never forget it is him who gives me power in my hands to gain wealth. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you receive it, give the Lord a clap offering one more time.